energy. We walked around for 35 minutes just in the parking lot looking for this car. The passion. UVM schedules the way they do to get as high a seed as possible in the NCAA tournament and to get as much tournament prep as they can because they're not going to get it from their league. The opinions on all your favorite teams. The organization should be taking care of Matt rather than Matt taking care of the organization. This is the Brady Parker Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show here on a Monday, our first Monday in October on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Short show today. We're up until 610, and then it's Red Sox baseball. Last week that we will say that. Red Sox season comes to an end on Wednesday. With that comes full shows for us almost from here until next April, which is awesome to say. Look, I hate the Red Sox season being over. I hate the Red Sox not going to the playoffs. A good byproduct is, though, full shows almost every day. Yeah, we'll have some Norwich hockey. Yeah, we'll have some high school basketball. But we are going to be on in full most days beginning Thursday of this week. Red Sox just smoked in Toronto over the weekend. They'll take on Tampa to close out the season this week at Fenway. Rich Hill on the mound. Some of you have asked, yes, that just after 6 o'clock, we will talk about my Mariners briefly, but I have to get a couple things off my chest as the Mariners are back in the playoffs for the first time since 2001. But before that, in a half hour, we got a whole lot of Patriots conversation to get into, and you can get in on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line at 802-585-3026. Your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville, and you can also comment on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, or Live streaming on video on my Twitter account. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, and St. Albans. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. We're running commercial free until 6 o'clock. And I'll be honest with you. Even 22 hours later, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out what to think about that Patriots game last night. Patriots lost 27-24 in overtime to the Green Bay Packers. And still, I'm struggling with exactly how to feel. On one hand, there is absolutely, undeniably, the moral victory of the story. Right, You went on the road against Aaron Bleeping Rodgers, one of the best players in NFL history, in a game where you ended up more than double-digit underdogs. You played with your third-string quarterback. You played without your top receiver or your top corner, and you nearly won. On one hand, there's the absolute moral victory of everything. Like, that would have been a huge upset. Okay, I know in pro sports, we're not always supposed to think of pros beating pros as upsets. Yesterday, if the Patriots won under those circumstances, that would have been akin to your 12 seed beating a five. That would have been a 13 over a four in the NCAA tournament. Nobody, myself, not you, nobody had the Patriots winning. And then when Bailey Zappi came in, you really didn't have them winning. And they almost won. So that side of the coin is undeniable. But on the other side, 
there is sadly the undeniable reality of it all. It is a results-driven business. And the Patriots are now not getting results. They are now one in three. They are now in last place in their division. And the season now is on the precipice of getting completely away from you. And you had a chance to win that game. Bottom line is this. The Patriots were one first down and overtime away from giving themselves a chance to win it. Two first downs, and they almost assuredly do. And they couldn't do it. So that's the dichotomy of yesterday's game. I still don't have a firm answer on how to feel about it. How do you feel about it? You're a Patriots fan. What do you take away from yesterday? Are you looking at this glass half full or are you looking at this glass half empty? 802-585-3026. I don't have a firm handle on it. But I do have a lean right now. And as it sits here today at 535 on Monday, I am leaning towards the moral victory route. I don't like saying that. It makes me feel dirty talking about moral victories. Moral victories to me generally are for, you know, FCS teams that hang with D1 programs. Moral victories are for lesser than teams. Moral victories are for lesser than franchises. And the Patriots are not that. But yesterday, I tend to go the moral victory route. We all had this game pegged as a loss. I had the Packers winning it 28-17. to We all thought the Patriots were going to lose yesterday. Whether you thought they were going to lose 28 28-17, 28-24, 3-0, or 41-0, doesn't matter. We all had the Patriots losing. And because we all had them losing, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations going into yesterday. So because I had no expectations of a win, I'm less crushed by a loss. The plan was always lose to Green Bay and then try to turn it around by beating the Lions, by beating the Browns, by beating the Jets, who you see twice. Like That was always the plan. So because we had no expectations and because I was pessimistic going in, I'm not crushed by yesterday's loss, so today I'm choosing to look at things a little more optimistically. Again, if moral victories feel beneath the Patriots. Moral victories are generally what other teams take against the Patriots, and we generally mock them for it. But yesterday, under the circumstances, I think the Patriots, big picture, deserve to feel pretty good about what they accomplished. They went in yesterday with a 36-year-old, I think Brian Hoyer is, with a late thir- mid to late 30s journeyman backup who hasn't won a game in six years and then had to turn it over very early to a young kid who was slinging it at this time last year for Western Kentucky. They took that duo into Lambeau Field and pushed a Super Bowl favorite to the very brink. They pushed Aaron Rodgers to the brink in a world where almost everyone knew the Patriots were going to be run heavy. They ran it largely at will throughout. They still hit some big plays. They made some big time defensive plays, all of it. There was a lot of pretty good yesterday. 
and there was a lot to be excited about. Yes, it was a loss. Yes, I'm disappointed. Yes, I understand the reality of the situation. The Patriots are, I mean, look, you got to go what you think to get it, to comfortably say you're in the playoffs, you got to win 10 games, right? That would mean the Patriots got to go nine and four. No, nine and five, right? 10 and seven. No, nine and four. They got to go nine and four throughout the rest of the way. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. I recognize that being one and three is not good, and you are one to two losses more from having your season be completely wiped. But still, given that, I have to go the moral victory route yesterday. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Peter and Williston. It was a near win, and for whatever reason, Belichick and Patricia dialed back the aggressiveness. No one thought the Pats were going to dominate the game for three and a half quarters, and Hoyer and Zappi looked better than Mac thus far this season. Must win this week against Detroit, period. Will in Plattsburgh, I thought the Pats rallied and played very hard. Sometimes you just come up short. Virginia and Starksboro, Lions, Browns, and Bears are all coming up. We'll be 500 by Halloween. Depends on who's playing quarterback. Depends on who's playing quarterback. I, if Bailey Zappi and Brian Hoyer are the quarterback until Halloween, I don't know that's the case. If Mac is back, then you, you could reasonably say they're going to win a bunch of games here. But I don't know this for a fact. The, I mean, it, it, is an, it is a dangerous situation now for the Patriots in the course of their season. At one and three, they are not done. The schedule they have is favorable, the most favorable stretch of their schedule they have. But it is certainly you know, time to hit the urgency button, that's for sure. Joe says, congratulations to your Mariners, Brady. The Patriots should feel good about this loss. I mean, they almost won with a rookie, a third stringer, and he played well. Ray and Warren throws salt on the wound and says, go pack, go Ray. Not the time, not the time, my friend, not the time. All right. Uh, we do this every single post Patriots day. You know what we do? We unpack the Patriots. We take a look at the good and the bad. and We do it in, you know, one after the other. There's the music. Cue the big voice guy. Which Patriots popped? To the 30, to the 20. He is in. So Kick six. Touchdown. Patriots. And which ones flopped? Jones steps up in the pocket, unloads a deep ball, and it's intercepted. That'll put the cherry on top. We unpack the Patriots now on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. All right, let's start with the good. The good. Patriots ran the ball very well. Patriots ran the ball very well. We talked about this after the Pittsburgh game, the one game the Patriots won this year. When you can run the ball, when everybody in the building knows you're running the ball, that's something special. Everybody knew the Patriots were not going to put the game in the hands of Bailey Zappi. Everybody knew they were going to try to give him a crutch. Everybody knew they were going to aid him as much as possible. 
Well, the Patriots ran it 33 times for 167 total yards. They had two individual players with more than 65 rushing yards apiece. They ran it five yards per carry. No matter how you slice this, it was excellent production. Ramondre Stevenson was excellent. Damian Harris was very good, and he scored a touchdown that gave the Patriots a lead the second half. Same with, same with they need one here. Second and goal. Nice cut. Patriots accomplished almost everything they wanted to accomplish on the ground. And I got to say, I like the variety of runs they did, too. They ran stretch plays. They ran zone plays. They ran up the middle. They had Kendrick Bourne get the ball on a reverse, I believe. They did a little bit of everything. And I think that showed we got to give him some credit. I think that showed a pretty good day for Matt Patricia also. We have criticized this Patriots coaching staff. We've heard everybody throw arrows at it. We've thrown our own arrows at it. I still don't think that Mac Jones and whoever the quarterback is have been set up the most possible for the most possible success under these circumstances. But Matt Patricia did a pretty good job yesterday. They ran, 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 and then they took shots with play action. We saw Hoyer hit Nelson Aguilar in the first quarter deep. We saw the touchdown to Devontae Parker. We saw Zappy hit Aguilar also. This offense took some calculated shots, and that was impressive. I, I like what Matt Patricia did yesterday. Maybe he's showing he can do this job. We've doubted it. Maybe he's showing that he can. Patriots offense overall, I thought was pretty good. They, they were appropriately skewed towards the run. They ran it well. They blocked well. Marcus Cannon came in as that sixth offensive lineman, and they were pushing some people around. Five yards of carry. You do that in the NFL, you're pretty good. The question is, now are the Patriots, what is their identity, right? Because we've seen games where Mac Jones has slung it all over the yard, and we've seen games now where they've been able to run it at will. Which team do they want to be when Mac is healthy? Do they want to be the team that let Max cook or let, lets Mac cook, or do they want to be the team that, again, holds his hand but succeeds on the ground and then lets him take some calculated risks more like we saw last year the bat the bat unpacking the patriots despite how hard the patriots tried and how well bailey zappy played and how well matt patricia called it yesterday still goes to show you how much a quarterback matters in this league this is no knock on bailey zappy it is just a reality of the nfl Yesterday afternoon, the Patriots had a chance to win this game twice, and they weren't able to do it, right? Fourth quarter, they get the ball inside their own 10, a minute to play, and one timeout, and they take the ball completely out of Bailey Zappi's hands. And by the way, I agree with that decision. But if that's Tom Brady, they're going down the field. If that's Russell Wilson, you're going down the field. If that's Josh Allen, you're going down the field. If that's Matt Stafford, you're trying to win the game, right? And those are top-end quarterbacks. Not every team is doing that. But yesterday you saw that the Patriots, how important a quarterback is. Fourth quarter, timeout, chance to go down the field, chance to get a field goal. They just sat on the ball. Then in overtime, they get a great return. Right, They force the Packers to punt. They get great field position. They're at midfield. One first down 
gives Nick Folk a chance to win the game. Two first downs, you're pretty much guaranteed to win it because Folk doesn't miss from inside 50. They needed to get 10 to 20 yards and run, run, and then you pass. They tried to not have Bailey Zappi have to make a play. They were afraid of the big mistake. They were afraid of the big screw-up. They were afraid of what Zappi would do with the pressure on him if he needed to make the play. This is not a knock on him, but this is just the reality of the NFL. When I get on Mac Jones, when I talk about needing special, when I talk about needing guys that can take over a game, that's why. Because if that's Josh Allen, they're putting the ball in his hands and they're saying, Josh, get us 10 yards. Whether you throw it to Stephon Diggs or whether you run quarterback power or whatever, we trust you. Lamar Jackson, we trust you. The Patriots did not trust their quarterback. And yes, they would trust Mac more I think Mac would have thrown it. But all in all, this is why I harp on the quarterback position. Because when push came to shove yesterday and your quarterback was needed to make a play, the Patriots did not let him do it. Good. More good. Outside of Bailey Zappi, young players stepped up yesterday. And that should make you feel happy as a Patriots fan. For years, we have lamented the lack of youth on this team. We've lamented the lack of youthful excitement. And yesterday, multiple young players provided it. Yeah, Zappy was good. But how about Jack Jones, the fourth-round pick out of Arizona State? He forced a fumble, and he returned Aaron Rodgers' uh, pass for a pick six to give the Patriots a lead before halftime. It is a 22. Rodgers. Oh, he's picked. And this is going to the house. Jack Jones with the pick six. Lots of like there. In a game where everybody knows what the situation is. Everybody knows that the Patriots are playing with their third string quarterback. Everybody knows that they're playing with house money at this point. When you're in that situation, what do you need? You need guys to step up. Bailey Zappi doesn't have special, so other people needed to provide it. And yesterday, Jack Jones did it. He forced the fumble early in the game while Hoyer was still playing. He gets the pick six right before halftime, gives the Patriots the lead. You're looking for someone to step up, and he did it. After the game, he basically called out Aaron Rodgers for throwing in his direction. Kid, that one, look, have confidence all you want. I'm not going to harp on it, but like, Jack Jones needs to not be talking smack to Aaron Rodgers. But that was a great play, okay? And then there's Marcus Jones, who was excellent all day in return duty. For two straight weeks on Unpacking the Patriots, we had Miles Bryant in the down category, right? He had the play against Pittsburgh where he almost fumbled it and ended up getting the touchback. He had the play last week where he fumbled it and ended up recovering it. Miles Bryant wasn't back there. Marcus Jones was, and Marcus Jones was awesome, as Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston noted. Let's put another rookie Jones in the stock up category. Marcus Jones absolutely shined as a return man in week four. He averaged 24 and a half yards per punt return, almost 28 yards per kick return, showing off that explosive speed that the Patriots knew he had when they drafted him in the third round out of Houston. I mean, 24 and a half yards per punt return, 28 in the kick return game. You know that's got to scratch Bill Belichick right where he itches. Field position is critical in football. And especially in this game, again, playing with your second and third string quarterbacks, you are going to need 
to be in as advantageous of positions as possible, and Marcus Jones got them there. That's all you can ask for. One, secure the ball, and two, get us good field position, and Marcus Jones did both. This is a guy I was excited about when they drafted him, thought maybe he could be a return guy, and yesterday he showed, yes, he absolutely has that tool in his toolbox. The bat. That's a little bit quick, isn't it? The, the bat. The bat. Okay. Well, again. The bat. The bat. The bat. Okay. Patriots linebackers and the handling of Patriots linebackers. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't have the red pen out on the film for everybody who played the linebacker position yesterday. But here's what I do know. The Patriots today have brought back Jamie Collins for the 48th time in his career because they think their linebacker room needs help. And I know that according to Pro Football Focus, the Patriots linebackers are not very good. Jelani Tavai, his grade for the year is 69. Jawan Bentley is a 67. After that, Mac Wilson is 29 and Raquan McMillan is 28. And I also know that I haven't really heard Josh Uche's name at all this season. So what does this all lead me to? The grades are low. We're signing Jamie Collins, who's like 185 years old at this point. This all leads me to believe that the Patriots linebackers are not very good. And surprise, surprise, we told you that was one of the biggest worries on this team. I have been saying that for months. Right? I don't get every prediction right. I got this one right. You go back and look at any show podcast from March through July, and I was questioning the plan at linebacker. Right? You got rid of Kyle Van Noy. You let Collins go in the offseason. You didn't bring back Dante Hightower. You were moving on. You were churning into new linebackers. And the Patriots decided to go with this plan. McMillan, Mac Wilson, we're going to – it hasn't worked. It has not worked. Just maybe the Patriots should have addressed linebacker in the NFL draft. Okay, I was calling for it in April. I called I, – I ripped them after the draft in May. Linebacker was a huge need, and the Patriots did nothing – to address it okay they took an offensive guard in the first round which we questioned they took a quarterback in bailey zappi in the fourth which wasn't really necessary at the time they drafted multiple defensive backs they needed a linebacker and they decided against doing it and what they thought they had internal ops right cam mcgrone if you heard his name all season josh uche have we seen a lot of him Mac Wilson's now barely playing. Raquan McMillan's not playing well. And this is a fast league. This is a sideline-to-sideline league. The Patriots don't have a ton of speed, and evidently they're not covering well either. That's why their grades are so low. Linebacker is a position that should have been addressed. The good. The good. The good. The good? You force two turnovers most days when you have your full team. And you win the turnover battle, you're in a good position to win the game. Yes, it didn't happen against Aaron Rodgers, but usually you win the turnover battle. That's a prerequisite for winning. Okay? You you force the fumble. You had the pick. You win the turnover battle 2-1, to one, you should win the game. If the Patriots do that more often than not this year, I'm going to feel pretty good about it. The bat. The bat. The bat. A couple of smaller things, well, a couple of bigger things that I'm not going to spend too much time on. For as good as Bailey Zappi was, the Patriots were third, in the, three of 11 on third down, right? 
You want to win in the NFL, you got to be good in the red zone. You got to be good on third down, and the Patriots weren't. Right? Patriots were three of 11 on third down. The Packers, conversely, seven of 15 on third down and fourth down. Right? Seven of 15 on third and fourth down. They keep drives going, they win time of possession. They go deep down the field, and they make some big plays on you and eventually wear you out, right? Aaron Jones gets fourth and one. Then Inexplicably, this is not third or fourth down, but Robert Tunyon catches a second and 19 touchdown. Like, those things can't happen. The defense was good yesterday in a lot of ways. Third down, fourth down was not one of them, and second and 19 to Robert Tunyon, that's not so good. The bad. This one was interesting to me. Guys, cue the or kill the music for me here. One of the things that was bad to me and that really caught me off guard was what Bill Belichick said yesterday after the game about Aaron Rodgers, right? What Bill said about Rodgers. I'd say in the end, in the end, you know, Rodgers is just too good. Um, he made some some throws that only Rodgers can make. Um, you know, we had, we had pretty good coverage on, on some of those, and he just – you know, he's just too smart, too good, too accurate. And in the end, he just he got us. We couldn't quite do enough, uh, you know, in the other areas to, to quite offset it. But Bailey really competed well. A lot of guys compete well. We just obviously came up a little bit short. Bill Belichick, do you ever remember Bill Belichick praising an opponent like that after the game? Right, it's Bill's thing psychologically. He always pumps up guys before the game, right? Throughout the week, Lamar Jackson's one of the best players we'll see. Josh Allen's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Tom Brady's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Aaron Rodgers on another level. Pre-game, Bill does that, right? Pump up his own guy, psych out the other guy, whatever. That's a Bill technique. I don't know that I ever remember hearing it post-game. And that caught my attention because it sounded like an admission of defeat. I say in the end, in the end, you know, Rogers is just too good. Rogers was just too good. Bill has always said it's about us, right? The, the thing with the Patriots has always been, it's about us. What did we do? What did we not do post game? Right. Bill has always thought we have the answers. And if we did it right, we'd win. We didn't do it right, so we lost. Yesterday, Bill's not saying it's about us. Bill was just saying that guy was better than us. And that just seems odd to me. Bill Belichick has always had an answer. He's always believed that the answers were internal to his locker room. He's always believed that th- that. His coaching staff and his players and his locker room could dictate a victory. And yesterday he's telling you that guy was better. And that just struck me as notable. Yes, this is a young Patriots team with a young quarterback. Maybe he doesn't want to pin it all on them. Maybe he wants to alleviate the sting for a young team and he'd handle it differently with a team full of 10-year veterans. That's very possible. But I've never really heard that. Bill has always thought the answers resided in his locker room, and yesterday he's telling you they didn't. We didn't have an answer. We we don't have the keys to beat Aaron Rodgers. That surprised me. 802-585-3026. 
Hats off to the poor ref who got screamed at the whole game by Belichick. What's up with him? Yeah, that, that I mean, he was going off on him. I think he was mad because the play clock reset and he didn't want it to. Shout out to that ref, though, who allowed the delay of game to go uh, to not get called so Bailey Zappi could throw the touchdown to Devontae Parker. So Christmas, Christmas cards for that guy from all of New England. Um, as it stands, look, no update on Mac Jones at that ankle, right? Patriots and Lions will play on Sunday. We're going to go through this whole ankle watch thing again, I'm sure, right? There's going to be a dog and pony show where Mac, I'm sure, is out somewhere. We're trying to figure out, is he really in or is he really out? I don't know, but... For me, it's the same as last week. Mac Jones needs to not be rushed back. If he is good enough to come back, then great. But the team needs to not pressure him, and he needs to not force it. Yes, one in three is a tough pill to swallow, and everyone is anxious, and I appreciate that Mac's a leader who wants to help. But there's got to be a sense of smarts here. Mac Jones cannot come back until he's healthy enough to help the team and until he's healthy enough to protect himself. If that's this week, then fine. But he shouldn't push himself until he can, again, help the team and protect himself. Even uh, Boomer Esiason today on WEI was a guest and said, don't come back until you're 100%. You're not doing anybody any good by playing too early. That was Unpacking the Patriots. We do that every post-Patriots game day here on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Again, Patriots and Lions next week. And by the way, with the Red Sox season done this week, we're going to have our first Patriots game of the year right here on DEV coming up Sunday at 1 against those Lions. Both teams 1-3. and three. It's go time for both of them. Yes, my Mariners are in the playoffs. Some of you have asked. We'll talk about it briefly. That's next on DEV. You know, a lot of you have congratulated me, and I appreciate you all on the Mariners making the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. I live in New England. I work in New England. The teams we cover are New England teams. I try not to talk about my Mariners fandom more than you care about, which is very little. Obviously, it comes up occasionally, but I try not to talk about it. I'm going to take a couple of minutes and talk about it here. The Mariners are in the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. I am, I was 12 years old the last time, time they made the playoffs. I am 32 now. I have graduated high school and college. I have gotten engaged, gotten a dog, moved to three different states, and back to a four. Like I, I have, a, I have lived a life in the last in the time since the Mariners last got to the playoffs. And in the six years I've been in radio in New England, I have lived vicariously through all of you, right? I've been to three Patriots Super Bowl weeks. I've seen the Red Sox win the 2018 World Series. I have seen the Celtics and Bruins get to championship series and hoist at least Eastern Conference trophies. And I've enjoyed all of that. I have enjoyed living vicariously through you. And I have adopted our teams here in New England. But Friday night for me was different. Friday night when the Seattle Mariners got to the playoffs for the first time since I was 12 years old, it was the first time in a long time where I've gotten to live through happiness and success through just myself and not through osmosis or through adoption. Cal Raleigh hitting a home run on Friday to send the Mariners to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years for me was euphoria. The 3-2 pitch swing and a drive.
And we give bonus points to Cal Raleigh because his father, Todd, is a Vermonter from uh, Swanton and Missisquoi High School. So Todd Raleigh, friend of the show, by the way. We had him on last year, but Cal hits that home run. It was a huge smile to my face and a huge weight off my shoulder. I have been carrying around this Mariners playoff drought. I've been carrying it around my neck. I've been carrying it around my heart for those 20 years. I've seen just about everything you could see, right? I've seen near misses where the team misses the playoffs in the final day of the season. I've seen seasons that were lost in April. I've seen my favorite players traded away as part of yet another rebuild. I've seen the acquired prospects fail. The guys that I wanted to be at the centerpiece of the rebuild fall flat on their face. I've seen different general managers, and I've seen different managers, and they've all ended with the same results. I've spent hundreds of dollars on the MLB package just to watch my team lose. My first job in radio, I was up at 5 in the morning every day. I can't tell you how many times I stayed up until 1.30, 2 in the morning, to watch them get one hit or to see them blow a save in a game they should have won. And then I went to, went to work on two and a half hours of sleep. I can't. I, that's happened to me far too many times over the last 20 years where I was up late, saw them lose. Or I just stayed up late because I was just a glutton for punishment. And I felt like I had to live the hard times in order to appreciate the good times. I punished myself for 20 years. That's true. I have always felt that if you, what do they say? If you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Well, I've taken that to the nth degree. I have watched them lose 90 games and 100 games. And I always felt I've got to stick through it because when I do when they do finally win, I will have deserved it. And Friday night, I felt like I deserved it. Friday night was a validation for my fandom. I grew up in Seattle. I was in the Mariners Kids Club. I walked the spiral steps at the Kingdom. I saw Ken Griffey Jr. play. I wore my hat backwards for Griffey. I imitated Griffey in the backyard, just like a lot of you did. And Friday night was validation for my fandom. And it was validation and vindication for all the sports pain that I have been through. I look at Seattle sports. I lost my basketball team. The Seahawks threw the interception at the goal line, and the Mariners never made the playoffs in 20 years. It's been largely downtrodden for me as a fan ever since I was a kid. Here in New England, making the playoffs is bare minimum, right? You're laughing at Seattle fans that are so thrilled about Friday night. Hopefully one day we get to the point, too, where making the playoffs is just the bare minimum. But for this year, for me, just getting there was enough. Having that off my plate, having all of that hurt wiped away, this year just getting to the playoffs, accomplishing that, that was worth it to me. I've been tired of the letdowns. I've been hurt too many times. I've been lied to too many times as a fan. I've gotten my hopes up too many times. And Friday night doesn't erase all of that. Making the playoffs one time in 21 years does not erase all of that. But it goes a long way towards helping. And when you get a walk-off three-run or a walk-off three-two count home run to go to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years, that doesn't make all the pain worth it. But that is a hell of a way to end it. So the drought is over. I'm happy. Go Mariners. Thanks to everybody who congratulated me. Red Sox baseball is coming up next here on WDEV AM and FM.